and it's yet another Red Leaf Retrocast wrestling episode here. And yes, I got to pour this beer, because my god. Been quite a weekend. I wanted to get this out before the Labor Day weekend, but time did not allow it. And I just got done doing yard work, one of the least favorite things I can imagine doing. <clears throat> so, taking a nice cold shower, cracking a beer, getting this, getting the rest of this podcast out and recorded before the all-out pay-per-view from AEW. And yes, Ricky and I will be do will be doing later in the show a complete preview of All Out and Feelings on AEW post All In. Again, if you're looking for that all-in full review, that is actually over on the Patreon, patreon.com slash redleafretrocast, for a full-scope live reaction review over the all-in show, uh, very much disagreeing with the main event, the Adam Cole uh, MJF match. Uh, I'll be getting to golf and bowling talk pretty soon here as my cat leaves the couch. I guess uh, he's not into that because he knows when I go and do those things, I'm away from him. I'll be heading into the Josie section of the podcast in which, well, lots to talk about uh, from Ice Ribbon running a Corican, Seedling <clears throat> running a Corican. If you're looking for Stardom Grand Prix talk, Every single show out is over on the Patreon, that Jaguar Nagayo tier. I'll be getting into more of Patreon plugs later, but uh, we'll be doing a brief, like super brief preview of the Hiroshima show, which happened uh, as I record uh, very early this morning. Uh, I'm sure if I look on Twitter right now, it uh, will be having results going on as I speak, but... So, not, not much for a preview there, but regardless, getting that out of the way, let's see, going down my list here, <clears throat> uh, yeah, there's the Legend Show, briefly talk about there, then we got uh, some news all across the Joshi spectrum, uh, just a little bit to dive into, and then from there... It's uh, AJW finishing off the Budokan show from August 1994 in a Part 3 Spectacular that I've turned that into. Uh, following along with the AJW Classics, you can easily find online. Specifically, the Internet Archive is a great place for that. Uh, very much looking forward to talking about that one. And after that, it is the All Out Preview, as discussed, and WCW Nitro. Post sold out 2000, yes. My <laughs> depressing years of watching WCW Nitro continues on, started in January 1998, post Starcade 97, and I'm in the year 2000 now. What a ride it's been, it's, uh, it's not getting any better. So with that, I think it's time I lay into a little bit of the sports talk in my personal little life as I get my nice little drop ready. Here we go. Okay, you can play now. Okay. <laughs> 
Okay. <clears throat> I do like how it says Venus a lot, because uh, I guess I am a Club Venus fan, but here we go. A uh, little golf, a little bowling. Uh, Megan Kang won the, uh, took the field away at the Canadian Open, uh, despite a very game home country hero, Brooke Henderson, uh, wearing glasses. So she was, uh, she was heavy in the media, uh, very much the favorite to come out of this tournament, but Megan Kang really, really broke away from the pack. Even with a finally, we got top card Jin Young Ko making a good run there. Uh, but as we saw here in the final stretch a week later at the Portland Open, which I uh, actually just finished watching uh, this morning here, uh, much like Celine Boutier, Kang got on a hot streak and won again. So back-to-back -back wins for Megan Kang, uh, and that solidifies her spot in the Solheim Cup. So uh, good golf still to watch Watch on despite uh, the last major happening uh, not too long ago. Um, in my personal news, uh, my golf league ended. I got a T9 out of 20 people, so nope, not bad for a beginner, guys. Uh, very much uh, am proud of, even even though I did struggle in the, you know, mid-50s for a little while there, I, had a, I did have a few good outings, and I improved as the summer went on in the league. And for me to uh, come out uh, kind of in the middle of the pack is, I think, an accomplishment uh, for myself and my progress. Um and then something I've been really looking forward to is the My Golf Spy uh, golf ball test results. And those came out. And, yeah, I mean, nothing beats like a Pro V1 and those kinds of things. Uh, you know, Chrome Soft, Chrome Soft X. You know, those are all the kind of go-to balls at the top of the card. But uh, I still like my simple two-piece balls. I uh, like the Wilson Duo Plus. Uh, don't think I'll be getting the Wilson uh, Soft Duo. Uh, because that just didn't score well as well as the um, Duo Plus here. And there is a significant difference when I'm when I'm hitting it, especially with my wedges and putting. But uh, the Kirkland ball, uh, the their signature line, that's a superior ball at this point for me, and it's very affordable. It's a three-piece. It does a lot more. It's incredible. So uh, that's the biggest bang for your buck, in my opinion. And... Um, I think I'll be trying a lot of Shrixon balls because they scored a lot, lot better uh, this year. Specifically, the uh, Z Star Diamond. So the better I get, the more advanced I'll be able to kind of manipulate these balls a little bit more, and I'll, I'll get to some of these examples of what what I uh, experienced and what I'm trying to do to get better. Uh, I finished cutting and installing my golf holes in my putting green at home. I've made <laughs> from scratch. Uh, pictures are online on my Twitter, so go check that out. Uh, Completely filled the room, decorated it, uh, sports pennants, uh, wrestling stuff. So very much in, in enjoy uh, cooking and then hitting the putting green. And I'm getting a lot of knickknacky stuff uh, during the Labor Day sale here. Uh, so it's a fully functioning chip and putt training room. <laughs> I, I love it at this point. Uh, so I mentioned kind of ball manipulation and club manipulation and uh on past episodes i got some game improvement super game improvement these kinds of things modern technology is way better than the past i've experienced that with bowling more on that in a second but uh i got a gap wedge and i ended up getting a 1982 mcgregor copper plated blade set uh two iron to pitching wedge and the pitching wedge works perfectly as a gap wedge right in the middle of my bag uh these things are in fantastic condition for the time and uh i got this idea where 
Because coaches are very expensive, and if you understand what they're trying to tell you when you make a mistake, and when you know like how to adjust, and there's a lot of videos you can do online, and as long as you put in the practice, this is my theory anyways, and what personally works for me, and I can afford it, is, look, I got this iron set for 60 bucks, okay? And what this means is, if I don't hit this in the center of the club, it's going to do something wacky or less impactful than my uh, my game improvement irons that I currently play. Um, and they'll go a, a little bit less. But if I strike the ball correctly, it's going to do what I've, what I've wanted it to do. And to me, that's real-time feedback, much like a coach. It's right, okay, you're, you're clearly hitting on the heel or the toe of the club. Uh, you need to adjust this way, and then I'll mark it down in like a notebook when I'm out in the field, and then I'll kind of look up, you know, basic tips and tricks online. It's like, okay, if this is what I was doing, guys, I'm a huge nerd for these things. Between this and bowling and what you hear from me, uh, this is just how I like getting better and improving is marking things down, tracking it, tracking my own stats. And what I found out is I generally strike the ball in the center of the club a lot more than I thought. And a quote-unquote bad hit is usually just to the uh, toe end of the center, which is why it kind of drifts right a lot of the times. So I played a few rounds with these McGregor 82s. Uh, they're, they're M80s, uh, if you're looking up for the brand and you want to keep along with this. And so when it comes to a lot of the longer clubs and still my lack of, you know, turning my hips, uh, completing forward momentum, I still that's what I struggle with the most. So distance is still a little bit of an issue, but I'm kind of framing my game around that ineptitude and trying to make up for it in the under 90 uh, yards area. Right, I think earlier this uh, or middle of this summer when I was trying to increase at least my distance by 10 or 20 yards, I did accomplish that. And now I'm finding myself within that break point a lot more often rather than pumping it from 100 and 130 and 140 yards out to the green. And then it's like small chips in there. Now I have to develop my game from an area I'm not familiar with. And that's where the gap wedge idea came in, came into. And I'm utilizing... A lot of my uh, irons from like eight, nine, pitching wedge, gap, fifty-two, and the like. Uh, obviously, the chip and putt I've made at home is also very advantageous to this learning experience. With a, a little chip, chip action net that I got on this thing, and why I brought up the golf balls earlier is well, spin factor is very important once. I've now gotten to that distance because before, you know, hitting a two piece ball like a noodle or my Wilson Duo Plus, which is a lot more, a lot better for that. Now it's trying to keep it on the green, manipulate the roll of it, trying to get a little backspin coming out of bunkers because now I'm falling uh, more into uh, greenside bunkers than I am fairway bunkers at this point, uh, which is nice. So. When it comes to getting something like a Kirkland, which has a lot of spin, very nice to putt with, uh, Shrixon balls, uh, particularly the 
XV or the uh, Z-Star Diamond, which I'm definitely going to pursue. There's also the the Bridgestone uh, Tour, not, not Tour X. It's like the BX series. They've improved their ball significantly from their E series to the point where now Bridgestone and Shrixon in cases, uh, in, in the case of Bridgestone, it's their whole line. So you just got to find what ball fits you. Uh, while Shrixon, it's more of the Z-Star and Z-Star Diamond area, uh, much like a Chrome Soft and Chrome Soft X, where do you want more spin or not? Do you want more roll factor? Uh, and I I think next season, I'm going to invest in getting some of those. I haven't picked out the Bridgestone quite yet, but I know I'm going to pursue the Shrixon uh, Z-Star Diamond along with just having a boatload of Kirkland balls. Uh, meanwhile, a lot of the balls I have left over from in the season, they're going to be putting green practice during the winter, and I'm very excited for that. Now, bowling did start up. Uh, I'm back up Wednesdays and Thursdays with a day of practice. I'm doing one day less this year because I really burned myself out. And boy, oh boy, uh, picking up a ball for the first time since the beginning of May, late April, uh, really took a number on me, took a toll. Uh, I woke up the next morning. As I was bowling my third game, I was feeling fatigue and shoulder tiredness. And my just imagine doing a ton of lunges only on one leg, and then you just haven't done that all summer. <laughs> I was very sore in specific muscle areas and muscle groups, but I bowled a 736 on Wednesday, a 664 on Thursday, while being super tired. Two different bowling alleys, two different league formats. Uh, the 736, I mean, I ended with a 257 game. You know, front seven, I, I bowled that with my brand new Hammer Envy Tour, which... With today's technology, I can manipulate my hand and turn the ball at will, basically, while generally when I go back to my, we'll call it a softcore ball from the, you know, late 90s to mid 2000s, uh, they're pretty much made to turn in a specific way based on how you drill it. And if you go off that core, it's just not going to do anything. And that's a big advantage to, I guess, consistency, while even when you mess up, you're still kind of going to get that roll. While in modern technology, you really got to have a better understanding and a better control of your of your hand and wrist and fingers coming out. Uh, so good start for me this season. Excellent, in fact, considering all my competition just never stops bowling and they're always, you know, in their tip top shape and condition for it. So for me coming out and essentially averaging 232 out of the gate uh, for the week, I'm very much uh, very OK with that. So that's uh, that's also going to c- come into play for recordings in the future. If something's got to be recorded on a Wednesday or Thursday, it's going to be super late. And obviously, probably won't have time to uh, edit it out in the uh, particular fashion I want. Well, that's enough sports talk and personal talk. I got some Joshi shit to talk about, and there's a lot to get into for just interesting topics and thought pieces, I guess. Uh, for what's happening uh, in the scene right now, and I'm trying to figure out what drop I should play for this. I haven't really played a TJPW drop in quite some time, I feel. I think I'm going to just go with uh, Rika Tatsumi, because she's been uh, she's been a very consistent factor in TJPW this year. Let's go. <laughs>
Okay. So, where to begin with this? But I, I got this shit written down. Okay. So I got these things bookmarked. We're talking Sukeban. Okay? And if that means nothing to you and you're hearing this for the first time, or whatever, let me uh, let me pull this up here because this is absurd. So that uh, that extremely hush-hush uh, so-called Joshi promotion out of New York with uh, the following players being signed to it. Ram Kaicho, Kaori Onayama, Aoi, uh, Tomoka Inaba, Unagi Sayaka, Maiki, All Cap Saki, Anchamu, Yuu, Riku Kaiju, Sauriano, Arisanakajima, Risa Sara, Miyuki Takase, and then a mystery person. Uh, I think it's Hiroyo Matsumoto. I think that's what... Uh, so it's essentially the entire freelance scene is involved with this thing. Uh, they got... Um, they got groups. It's going to be this, like, anime uh, uh, delinquent-type uh, theme from the... Uh, they claimed it was from, like, the 60s and 70s. Anime and, and the like was made popular during this time in the 80s and early 90s. Hell, you can go on Red Leaf Retrocast here, and we've reviewed a number of different delinquent anime shows, particularly a women's-focused one called Sukibondeka. <laughs> Ironically, we didn't do that too long ago. So for a, jo- a so-called Joshi promotion coming out, possibly funded by Crunchyroll, uh, which is uh, where the funding comes in, into play. Uh, let's see. Uh, tickets went on sale September 1st at 10 a.m. They, I, I checked in on this like immediately. They were sold out within the hour, despite them saying it was two hours. I couldn't, I couldn't even get into uh, into it quick enough to get one. And then I even asked around to see if anybody had uh, tickets to kind of give away or give to me, and it's just sold out, man. So it's off to a it's off to a strong start in that sense. Uh, they announced in a uh, 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 email that was sent to me because uh, I am signed up for this thing. It's just a little newsletter thing. Uh, they have costumes and art and anime art and the nails and all this, the whole costume thing. Uh, made by a number of different uh, people to name off that no one's ever heard of, but like anime dorks like myself. Uh, they said a championship title belt will be designed and created by a designer by the name of Mark Newson. This is a name I'm not familiar with at all. The <laughs> thing where I'm a little hesitant to see this, at least from a rustling promotion perspective is the tagline is essentially uh, comedy. It's going to be more on the comedic side throughout. And look, when you're doing a delinquent anime wrestling show, I can't imagine a scenario where it wouldn't come across as hilarious. Uh, If we somehow get good matches out of it, I will be pleasantly surprised. I mean, you bet your ass I am covering this on the Patreon. There is no doubt. It is going to be on that Jaguar Nagayo to your $5. And I'm going to cover every single bit of that. Because, look, it's retro anime themed with Joshi freelancers coming to the United States, possibly being distributed on Crunchyroll. How could I not cover it and just take it all in as like some Joshi underground operation? Okay? 
So it's off to a good start. It has a lot of intrigue with a lot of the, the fan base. And it kind of goes to show you that if you amass a talent roster together like they have uh, with a assumed uh, stable piece of funding for these people to get paid, it's going to have the, the probably the second or third biggest interest in the Joshi fandom. And, you know, if you're a women's wrestling fan, you, you better... Uh, get interested or at least intrigued for at least checking out episode one is what I'm going off of. Now, how will this how will this impact their freelance bookings uh, post this date? Uh, that's coming into a lot of question with contracts and stuff, uh, whether it's uh, the various promotions out west on the west coast through L.A. to all the way to Prestige. Uh, that comes into question for even their domestic uh, uh, operations where what does this mean for seedling, um, uh, Oz Academy and the like, are, are they just not going to be on these cards? And it's gonna, I, I, I feel, I have a theory that if this is going to be more of a long-term thing, how will this impact those promotions when they're trying to fill cards out? You know, is it just going to consist of the people that, uh, kind of weren't invited to this thing? Um, I guess it remains to be seen. So what is going on the Patreon since you're here listening to the Joshi section? I imagine that uh, you might be interested in what's happening over there. It is uh, a lot of historical women's wrestling, Joshi wrestling content. Uh, the um, Joshi 2010s tier is exactly what it sounds like. Yes, free episodes do go out on delay. Uh, on the AJW Destiny podcast feed. Uh, that is more of like preserving history, getting the information out there over a lot of these wrestlers' pasts. Uh, how were they booked? How did the shows do? What matches were great? And really, uh, your contribution on that tier is simply helping fund the DVDs to be acquired, the ISO files, uh, if the DVDs can't be, or if that's the only way and maintaining the Google Drive where a lot of these shows are found. That's what it's for. Uh, over on the $5 tier, the Jaguar Nagayo tier, that's where uh, everything goes down, whether it's, uh, I guess we're starting the AEW live reaction reviews. Perhaps we'll expand on that since uh, quite a few uh, new people uh, subscribed during even just the all-in review. Uh, there's a month. There's two monthly podcasts that go on the $5 tier. One is the uh, Retro LLPW Reviews, which now uh, I have created a uh, Google Sheet, Excel Sheet, with everything that's lined out for what's going to be covered, what could possibly be covered, and links to where all the shows and matches can be found. I've also included a lot of uh, written piece articles that have been done over the years from various sites, uh, put their links in that same sheet, uh, whether it's uh, perspectives on wrestlers within LLPW, uh, history perspective. Um, <clears throat> and I am going to expand further upon that with... Uh, I, I, most people speak English, and by the accounts, what I've been able to find through Weekly Pro and comparing it side-by-side -side to the Wrestling Observer... Whenever information comes out about LLPW, 
the observer gets everything translated basically from weekly pro it's i would put the percentage extremely high at 90 plus percent so what i'm going to do is get i'm going to link various observer articles uh as source material uh for what i talk about a lot in that uh on on those episodes in the content and uh it will follow along i'll i'll put it by year and then i'll have whatever article has pertinent information to LLPW. So that Google Sheet is going to be very prime and important going forward. And if you're following along, that can get you links to a lot of the YouTube uh, sites with the shows or Internet Archive, which has a ton. And then uh, the Google Drive has a lot of uh, DVDs I've acquired and ISO files I've acquired. And it sure looks like someone was uh, grateful and interested enough to upload a good chunk of these shows uh, to Internet Archive for LLPW. So uh, $5 tier will get you into that podcast and following along because, let's face it, a lot of people just do AJW. Hell, even myself, I'm doing the AJW Classics journey, right? And I started in the fucking early 80s, and here I am uh, years later now, almost 100 episodes into that thing, and LLPW was right there behind them. I can't say that in popularity sense or the like, but it was the third promotion. Right, it was them JWP, which people have seen, you know, countless matches. But the drop off from watching AJW to JWP is strong, and then the drop off to LLPW is even stronger, and especially more so in the sense when Gaia and JD Star come up. And there's going to be years uh, during this journey where I'm now in 1995, so you can follow along. Uh, it's post Big Egg Wrestling Universe, and a lot of things went down. So the latest episode really covered. What happened between Akira Hokuto and Kandori? Uh, very CM Punk esque at all in, as I compared it to. And it's done major damage to LLPW with what happened at Big Egg with Kandori and Hokuto. Uh, and then some backstage strife as well. So it does sound very familiar, doesn't it? So the first episode of 1995 kicks off with a bang, with uh, that being discussed. And look forward to more of that as we go through 95. And uh, 1996 is already looking like a dark, dark year for the promotion. Uh, after a, a, a year of, um, well, listen to the episode and you'll, you'll hear why. The other podcast monthly is with JPQ. We do Pure J, the very, very small indie Joshi promotion. We do, we, we do a monthly cast on them. Uh, and that's just a ton of fun to do with him. Uh, he likes to troll me with uh, opinions over Cherry, and it's just nice following along a very small promotion, uh, the former JWP rebranded, and just trying to see what happens on the indie scene uh, from a very low budget perspective and how they get treated, what the booking has caused, how to use freelancers, and they just had a cork and haul a few weeks ago. And the latest episode going out uh, shortly after this one, hopefully, is going to cover that Cork and Hall uh, from August and then a couple of the house shows that followed. And, of course, where would I be without mentioning? All the Stardom 5 Star 2023 coverage is over there on the Patreon. Every single show to date is on there. Uh, lots of good feedback, lots of people interested in following along with the five star. And what I have to say, it's not just this match was great and good. I also go over attendance perspectives, uh, year over year basis. 
um, looking at the booking and what's happening, uh, the scheduling, uh, geographically, how stardom is run. Uh, and of course, of course, I'll go over if the matches are good. I got my recommendation scale. You can follow along. It's a lot going on the Patreon. Let's get into some stardom. And I got to play a drop. So here we go. Okay, so when it comes to stardom, and uh, what's happened is uh, the Hiroshima pay-per-view will be the next podcast that is headlined by um, Mirai defending the white belt against uh, almost hometown uh, Konami, and already seen some talk about uh, Hiroshima being run so close to the Konami uh, homecoming date. So we'll see what happens there. Um, maybe she wins. Uh, I have my doubts. Maybe she announces she's coming back to stardom full time. Also have my doubts, in, you know, especially with the Kitsune announcement that she'll be heading on over to the left coast and wrestling there. And also the uh, uh, quite a few five star matches of interest, namely Utami versus Momo. And uh, the New Japan Strong title defense of Julia versus Risa Sarah. Ice Lore is back. Will Risa Sarah deliver? Will it be diving into a little hardcore country, if you will, from the newly divorced Risa Sarah, or will be getting divorced? Uh, I got a question of her mentality going into the match. She's uh, definitely been more absent as of late. Uh, due to personal reasons, so it's going to be interesting to see if um, she's mentally there, because that that is a factor. I mean, it affects us all uh, when you got shit going on personally, and then you got to go to work, and uh, maybe you don't put in your A game, but maybe she's one of those people that can put that behind her, and she finds more motivation to just dive into work um, completely. But, you know, Julia had that U match, that didn't help very well. Um, a lot of people were down on that match. Hopefully, uh, Julia can get a bounce-pack performance uh, with uh, with this one against Risa Sarah. So, New Blood happened. <clears throat> uh, look, they got 361. It's, uh, it's about par with what it usually gets. Not much to truly dive into there. Uh, supposedly, they're going to take New Blood uh, to the western parts of the country. That goes into more of what I've been talking about on the Patreon with the five-star discussion over geographically expanding. I'm not sure New Blood is the right idea there, but I guess if you want to, um, I guess if you, I guess if you're gonna pull in two to three hundred people, no matter what, for these New Blood shows, I could see getting, getting outside Tokyo, going to regions where they just want to see some wrestling, and you get two to three hundred people, maybe four hundred on a great great day, and you can just pump out your rookies and get them reps. I can see the strategy there. I guess we'll see what happens when they run their first New Blood show uh, outside of where they usually have. Uh, look, I enjoy these shows. There's not a lot of discussion coming out of them. I mean, I'll, I can just quickly run through the uh, the matches here. Um, so it's Hanako, 
Hanoka Kizunataka defeats uh, Amisurei Nanami and Miron. That was fine. And here's the thing. All these matches are like three stars or a little lower. As we've become accustomed to. Okay. Kohaku defeats Lady C. And they're all like seven minutes, except the final two. <laughs> they're all not very long. Maysara Suzu Suzuki defeat Hanan and Hina. Natsupoi defeats uh, Pineapple Girl. S- uh, Saori Ano defeats Miyu Amasaki. And Nanai Takashi defeats Saeida. Not sure why that's the semi main. I probably would have switched Amasaki and Ano, because Amasaki has more upside than Saeida. And then Rina, with a new coat looking like a bigger star, uh, defeats Wakasukiyama in a 14-minute, dear God, what is this doing as a main event type kind of match. Uh, Waka don't got it. Waka don't got it. I guess we'll see what's up their sleeve for uh, future shows. As for the Legend show, you know, Midsummer Olds, what do you want me to say? Momonaki Nishi, she's great. She pulled out fucking moonsaults from the out- to the top to the outside. Commentary's going nuts. And the rest of this can just kick rocks. You know, 1653 at Oda, which did less than the Osaka pay-per-view. Uh, Legends Intrigue clearly got a different kind of audience. Uh, they were into them and not the stardom wrestlers. It was very bizarre watching it. Hopefully this pays off and uh, stardom didn't waste their money putting on this kind of show. Uh, instead of signing someone like Anaba or people like her. Uh, what I will say is, God, I hope Tam Nakano just went into safe face cutting that promo on Kandori, who just did not have any interest in selling, did not have any interest in putting anyone over, even in the I will beat up and then sell for you sense. Uh, and then Kandori's cutting you know, interviews of, uh, well, I don't know, if they want a red belt match with me, I guess I'll do it. Look, this woman hasn't had a recognizable good match in 20-25 years, let alone a singles match. I, I really hope that doesn't happen. I think she hasn't put anyone over, like, in the sense of just losing a singles match since, like, Kyoko Inoue in the mid-2000s. That's what that's what we're dealing with here. Uh, I'm just going to go right back into uh, the Joshi Indy scene before I get to the eventual... Ah, you know what? I, w- I will do this. I will do it. Why not? I gotta, I gotta, I'm gonna rest my throat a little bit, play a drop, and then we'll be back. And since I mentioned Risa Sarah, I'll play her drop anyways. Okay, so Ice Ribbon losing more people. They lost two rookies. They lost Kiku, the 50-year-old housewife deal, to Hot. And Asahi's ice ribbon contract has expired. So again, IR losing even more talent. And like I said, we still don't know the extent to which they can still fall. Okay? You look at this poster and the roster that's on it. It's no wonder they are booking things with the help of, like, Gambari, Joshi, and JTO. It's probably the only talent they can afford at this point in time. Uh, so yeah, anybody that kind of said that, that is, uh, naive to the fact of what Ice Ribbon's going through, um, well, I guess I said what I meant to, so, uh, with that said, IRN Corkin for Ice and Wonderland, their big August show, uh, annual basis, 
they got a questionable looking 504 uh, for non, yeah, for, for the attendance for the Ibuki title win over Yuri. Uh, I have no reason to really truly believe that this number's fake, like an Oz Academy number. Um, from what I could tell, it just looked like everyone got the cheapest seats imaginable and filled up the back, right? Because that, that front end uh, for the good ticket seats uh, wasn't filled as even I'm used to seeing for Ice Ribbon. I, I think this um, I think this promotion is hemorrhaging money still, and by the looks of it, it's either uh, not being able to maintain talent, uh, how easily they let uh, Asahi go, and how unhappy she was clearly with the promotion. Um, and then when, you know, when you mention, oh, well, they're pumping out rookies, it's like, okay, but Joshi promotions tend to pump out rookies every once in a while across the board. It's, do they stay? Do they want to maintain being a wrestler? It's what, and, and, you know, odds are they're probably not going to get pushed for at least four to seven years. So they got to be here a long time for them to make a finally an impact, even in the mid card, Right. Let's see these people stay for a few years, and then we'll start talking about how, oh my god, they're doing so well, and this isn't just Ice Ribbon, this is kind of everybody. Okay? So on the positive side, it's the first time for a non-Ribbon Mania or retirement show that they've broken 500 uh, since the vacant title tournament in June last year. Okay? Uh, I mean, I guess technically that's only a what? two in between minus the ribbon mania but eh, the point stands before that were prime pandemic numbers which is a different breakdown at this point um comparatively they're up from 409 earlier this year which is good but now for the bad this is still a poor number okay i don't pretend like these things are good for pure j i don't pretend they're good things for seed when they uh dip this low uh and it's still the lowest cork in total uh, for a promotion's highest mark show of the year versus the other companies. And that, that's like Pure J, Seedling, hell, even Wave have uh, better cork and draws this year, which goes into why, you know, what is Ice Ribbon doing currently? Well, you look at this card. It's based around their supposed next-gen trying to win both the top titles, top title and the tag titles. And the build, it's not good, right? It's pretty much absented throughout the summer. Uh, we have this semi-main event of the tag titles in a three-way, yeah, a three-way, where Yanagawa and Kagura of uh, JTO defeat a random duo of Akari and Yappy, um, and defeating the current tag champ, or former champs of The Ham and Makoto. It, yeah, it goes right back to uh, some outsiders. And then you had the Infinity title match of Ibuki Hoshi reaching the top. Uh, I think too late uh, against Yuri. Uh, the tag title match went 20 minutes. The Infinity title match went just under 22. Yeah, they threw some chops. They threw some forearms, which is nice. I went one out of three on it. It was totally fine and acceptable. It's just not just gonna. It's not gonna meet that high end, right? If you're into Joshi Indies and you're into the scene and you want to see something that's not TJPW and Stardom, yeah, you know, check this match out. Can't really recommend the tag match at all. However, it's just like I said before, you know, on prior podcasts. Ibuki Hoshi should have won this title last year or from Sauriano. 
And either any other time outside of actually booking her strong to get to this point uh, wasn't going to get the reaction and it wasn't going to get the um, the people truly behind her, right? She is the like hope of this promotion at this point. For her to beat the outsider, you know, you get the story, but it's not like Yuri is this, you know, huge champ to overcome. The huge outsider to overcome was Sauriano, right? Especially in the sense that Ano beat Yuki Mashiro in the finals. Uh, Ibuki couldn't make it there. Uh, then Totoro is the one out of nowhere winning because I guess they have no one else to put at the top of the card, and that's a bad sign. So you're left with Ibuki Hoshi just kind of slotted in to this Yuri defense, and she just wins. Uh, just the, the momentum wasn't there. And honestly, she should have lost. She should have lost, and they could have they could have run this back in, you know, four months at Ribbon Mania, where you're gonna have the most people, hopefully, uh, at that show, see an ice ribbon. That's when you want to have the big shifting change, right? Is this promotion going to be any different for the next four to five months with Ibuki or Yuri on top? I don't think they are. I don't think there's a difference. So I thought it was, I thought it was a poor uh, timing for a title change. Even though the person is correct, it's just not right. It's the it's it's kind of a similar sense of when uh, Musicy won in TJPW. So I don't expect this run to be anything remotely special and that's unfortunate as for news with other companies tjpw announced a documentary project uh as i will uh pull this up because it's uh it's pretty interesting tjb and tjpw t T oh my god let me drink some beer here (laughs) okay tjpw announced that a new program next generation will stream on their youtube channel it's uh, produced by uh, staff of Dream on the Ring, um, which was also on TJPW's uh, streaming last year. It's gonna, fu- it's they're gonna have um, four episodes airing uh, September sixth, thirteenth, twentieth, twenty seventh, and October fourth over the following wrestlers: uh, Arisa Endo, Wakana Urihara, Haru Kazahiro, Shino Suzuki, and Moka Miyamoto, in that order of release date. Uh, so, so it's supposed to be about people who have never won a title in TJPW. So they're really getting into uh, the lower end wrestlers, and that it's it's going to be interesting. Um, I wonder how much is going to be English subtitled or any subtitles for that matter. Uh, will they do it themselves? Because look, uh, I might as well get into this because there's just nothing with uh, TJPW until Wrestle Princess, right? No new stars are being made yet again. And guys, it's been four years of this, okay? And if you're going to be focusing on this new generation, they got to start fucking winning. They got to start beating these people, right? Maki Ito's, you know, doing Maki death kill things and cutting up Frank the Clown in Chicago with a pizza cutter. When, if your overall goal is to try to push the new gen, why isn't Endo or Mocha or somebody in something rivalryistic with Maki Ito, uh, using one example, okay, and Maki losing 
at Russell Princess to said person or, you know, whatever. As for Diana, Oz, Marvelous, whole lot of nothing here uh, post all of this nonsense that went on throughout August. Sendai ran their annual Sendai show with Kyrie in a tag doing house show mode, making t-shirt Naito proud. Uh, what a tremendous waste of a comeback, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, there's some good tags, but that, I mean, what did we really get out of it? No wonder star- Stardom stopped working with her. I expect she'll do one more nothing tag in Stardom and head back to WWE, as was the plan. She can also lose to Charlotte and be booked poorly uh, and looking like a chump. So, new champ, Millie McKenzie. Nothing mid-card singles. And you're by the numbers usual main event, with Chihiro winning as her and you beat Hiroyo and Dash. Look, I am so not moved by Sendai. I've been on on here essentially since day one of this podcast. Just Sendai does nothing for me, especially Chihiro Hashimoto, uh, in which she just kind of throws a suplex, calls it a day. Right? Uh, I'm just not. So, I gotta play this drop. Because, well, needs to be done. Because now we get to say, now we get to do something really fun. Seedling, 8th anniversary from August 25th, 2023. 702 people at Corken Hall. Look, they got a main event that people wanted to see. And the Sari comeback has, you know, I'm not, I have to preface this every time. I am not a huge Sari fan, but goddammit, does she not bring it when she needs to, okay? I thought this was built great. Now, yeah, you had to go out of your way to watch some Sariism shows. Uh, you had the building show on the previous seedling show with the tag with Sari and Ari Nakajima, and it felt like there was going to be a title change going into the show. Okay? To get 702 people for promotion that at the beginning of 2023, with people leaving under dubious circumstances, and then Arisa being in programs with younger talent. Yeah. Getting Sari in here was a huge boost to the promotion, and I think there's been a lot of goodwill built up with giving people like Ayami Sasamura, Riku Kaiju, Kawahata, and the like, uh, something to sink their teeth into, and new talent brings new interest, right? You're not seeing Miami Ozaki pummel Aris Nakajima like it's, what was that, 2016 or something? Or Bolshoi, or whichever. Uh, you're getting a an important feeling main event on the indie scene as best you can, especially in 2023. The only thing that's going to hold this back is the fact that it took place in Seedling. <laughs> right? You're not getting Dave Meltzer uh, to watch a Seedling show uh, with Ari Sansari in it. And other than, I, he, other than him being told it was great, which it was, no doubt. Uh, it's, it's, look, it's at 66 votes upon recording on cage match. And if I was a betting man, that would be the largest voting count of any non-stardom and TJPW Joshi match of the year. And with good reason, because it's an all-timer of the decade so far, right? It's, uh, it's going to make people's lists come year end as it should. And it's going to make my list. I am currently torn between the Tam Nakano Julia 
match from earlier this year in Stardom, and this one. It's a one-two punch as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and honestly, I'm also comparing that Sai Kamatani Hazuki match. Uh, and they're all for entirely different reasons of each other. Where this one stands out is it's like we took back the clock to 2005. You know, Misa Genki, uh, 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 um, Azumi Hyuga, Yoshiko Tamura. We got that style of match and character work and just big boss feeling wrestling. Right? Sari's trying to work the arm of Arisa and Arisa's trying to fight back and they're doing double stomps off the turnbuckle to the floor, which scared the shit out of me. They're doing apron spots. They're headbutting. They're forearming people, leaving it with thuds. It's it's just physicality that you just simply don't see enough of in women's wrestling. You know, I'm we're going to get to AJW here in a, in a little bit, but this was the kind of match that really gets your blood pumping. It's 27 and a half minutes. Love the length. It really felt like it was important. And we need so much more of this in the Joshi scene as a whole. We need the importance in physicality to come back here. You know, why does Julia Tam stand out to me so much? Why why does that mean so much in the grand scheme? Well, it was physical as well. It was extremely important with the big red belt on the line, right? And it was physical in the sense of the rivalry. Could there be more done with Ari Sansari over a period of time? Yeah, yeah, maybe. That's kind of nitpicking. I mean, I didn't go five stars on this, but I was pretty close, right? It's up there from the in-ring perspective. And I thought the build was pretty good, right? Uh, This is what I want to see more of out of the indie scene. And I'm very curious to what this Sari seedling title run is going to be now. Is she going to go beyond the sea? beyond the mat with it, or is she just going to sink and pull like a Venny in Sendai where she just, you know, defends it once and then loses it right back to Arisa or some, like, nonsensical person in which they're not even booked all that strongly, right? I'm hoping the former of what I said. I would love a nice little long Surrey run, continuing to run with Seedling for a little bit. Arisa can rest up. Uh, and they can do a lot more with this. So, all-timer type type match here. Very much enjoyed it. Highly recommend. Obviously, it's a full three. Without question. Uh, as for the rest of the card, it's like every seedling card I've ever seen. It's like every Sendai. Sh- you know, it's it's a basic opening tag. You get the goofy La Padita uh, Kaho against Kekaru match, which, you know, high-speed loser wears a mask deal. La Fresas... Uh, with Mima Shimoda <laughs> coming in. Why wasn't she on that Legend show? I don't know. Defeat Aoki, Mio Momono, and Misakagura. So Mio, Mio Momono really on the losing end, getting super over here, even on Seedling. And Sasamura and Kaiju uh, maintain and defeat the Maya, Yukihi, Natsu Sumire team in under 20 minutes. This Natsu Sumire has got to stop. She's, um, when she's she was an undercarder in stardom, she was very enjoyable. She had the uh, much less pedantic uh, questionable gear choice, right? And she's brought that to mid and upper cards on these indie shows. And uh, when you when you make an entire match around her, it's not going to be good. And there's a there's like a good three minute sequence in this where it's Sumire against Sasamura and Kaiju, and 
they just crawl to a stop, a hold, and there's even a point where they literally do not what to do, do not know what to do next because they're so lost. Uh, which is a shame. I would like to see more of Mayuki, but I guess I'll have to watch uh, Crunchyroll in order to see her wrestle important matches uh, without shtick. Huh. Okay. Arisa Nakajima, all-time great. I'm really going to have to evaluate what I think of a lot of these uh, these um, wrestlers in the top 50 women's wrestlers of all time list, because there was also that like Becky Lynch, Trish Stratus match that happened in the cage, which I thought was like fine. I was mostly bored, but a lot of people really love that. Is Becky Lynch going to be on that list at some point? I don't know. But Arisa Nakajima, I'm really going to have to take a hard look on. I'm learning more and more about her on the Joshi 2010's journey. Uh, yeah, I've seen scattered matches prior to her like late stage JWP and early seedling run, but seeing her come back on the Joshi 2010s, that's definitely a dark area for me, and seeing it play out in real time is it's interesting. So go follow along there. And let us get into that AJW. Here we go. You know, started this a number of years ago now. We're at this Budokan show titled Budokan Restudin Max in August of 1994. We're on the build to the dome, and this show just really reminded me how much I love Devil Masami. So with that, I'm going to play... Uh, quite a few of her songs. So here we go. We're going to go a trifecta drop here. So enjoy some music. And there you go. Let's get into that, because we're on the last two matches from the Budokan here in 1994. Cutie Suzuki, Takako Inoue, taking on Candy Okotsu, and you heard it, Devil Masami. Match went 17 minutes, 15 seconds. It was like fourth from the top or something. And for a time, I thought it stole the show. Feuding and rival Idos, Takako and Cutie, teaming up. Against the JWP's dominant veteran monster. 
and their best rookie in Candy Okatsu, whom, by the way, is in incredible shape. Okay? She does not skip any gym days. Those shoulders, those legs, whew! She ain't slowing down this match. The start is great, as Takako demands Devil charges her with shots, till Devil headbutts her skull for prime CTE goals. It's all double-team attempts on Devil, but she counters and just power bombs them into each other, and there was a lot of power bombs. Oh, I love a Devil power bomb. Truly marvel of a dominant force against two idol-type wrestlers. They are all throwing bombs while Candy is simply trying to keep the pace, not get in Devil's way, though she does a few times. Takako just has enough and gets nose-to-nose of her in this match, and the crowd goes nuts. nuts. And funny enough, can't help but notice Takako and Masami are very similar in height, but the projection is so much more on the side of Devil. There's that star presence factor in owning the ring, okay? Devil owns this ring in the 80s, then, now, and forever. Even the heat segments for Devil was just outstanding. Standing on Cutie's face and taunting her, taunting Takakao, so good to watch. And eventually, the spills to the outside for a good old-fashioned table brawl, okay? This is the shit I'm talking about, versus what happens today, okay? Here we have Devil and Takakao establishing early on their hatred in the ring, and boom. They're doing ring bell shots to the chest. They're getting hammers and hitting each other in the face. Cutie is slammed onto the table. It's 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 not just, okay, going to throw you in some chairs and call it a day. Or if they're in Corkin, they'll go do the sign spot. This feels like real heat and means something. All the while... Candy and Cutie are in the ring, still trying to win. Suplex exchanges galore. Candy hits a running top rope with Northern Light Suplex. That was rad. They're German suplexing each other, but Cutie dives in. And so Devil jumps off with a guillotine leg drop onto her while she's on top of Takako. I thought that was a phenomenal... Like you, you just see all the pictures start going off in the audience. right? God, I miss that kind of stuff. And from there, it's a hot finishing stretch with back-and-forth near-falls. Finally, we get to Devil missing a guillotine leg drop on Takakao, and Cutie dives in with a straight jacket and dragon suplex on Candy. Then, finally hits that plancha off the same corner as Takakao uses her flying knee a la Norio Tateno for the win. Great match. Full three. This show is fucking great, I said to myself. Uh, I went four and a quarter. Stars on this uh, on this little tag match here. Take your pick. Uh, this is great interpromotional work with established story, motivation in the ring. I thought they nailed it out of the park. It had everything I wanted to come into the into the match coming out, and I just think Devil Masami's an all timer, right? Every time you see her, she just more than delivers, and she's in the prime of her career. Maybe a little on the slowdown yet, but you kind of don't tell, and it really gets me curious. You know, as we go through, you know, post-94 Tokyo Dome, you know, where does Devil Masami and JWP land? What's the Gaia movement going to do? What's Jaguar Yakota uh, doing with JD Star when that starts up? There's a lot of questions. And where does Devil Masami fall in? Because she's very much a top star of the era like the rest of them. You know, she was there with Jaguar, Dump, 
tail end of the the big start of the crush gals, right? That's the kind of stuff. Uh, that's the kind of stuff I look for. That's the kind of stuff I'm looking forward to. Um. So yeah, Devil Masami, all time great. We move on to the main event. Dangerous Queen Final Countdown Pre-Dome Survival Elimination Tag Match. <laughs> God, I love to laugh at these taglines they give some of these matches in AJW. Super funny. It is Aja Kong teaming with Akira Hokuto taking on Dynamite Kansai and Yumiko Hota. The Observer gave this four and a half stars. And you know what? I guess we'll see what I think at the end. Okay? This match immediately had big match feel. And heat. Based on those involved. Uh, Kansai has really come into her own over the last two years. During the center promotional era. Kong is finally looking like a true main eventer. After 93. What felt closer to kind of a protected upper to mid card person. Even though she's the champion. Uh, it's just been focused on other people. Not her. Hokuto is still the biggest star, putting together the best and most important matches. There's no doubt there. Uh, I mean, hell, look at this one. And she's really making her retirement tour a must-watch. And look, I'm not the biggest Hota fan. Probably never will be. I was always told that she's going to break out eventually in the like mid-90s. Well, I can kind of say, here we are. Hota's been kept strong all year for stuff like this. And ever since that bloody hand match... She's found a new confidence and a stride to her game. She's no longer doing a lot of that stuff that irritated me about her. Uh, she's a real player. She's finally feeling like a Yumiko Hota and not a Chigusa Nagayo clone. Okay? She's a real player in 1994 here. So hype levels for this match are there. Everyone but Hokuto seems to be sporting yellow and blue on this show. <laughs> I think even Takakao and uh, a couple other people were doing that. So just a strange observation I had. But I love the Kansai shove into Hokuto. Where Akira just smirks, and it's like celebrity deathmatch. Let's get it on, kind of vibes with, with right off the bat. Uh, Aja goes to blows with both uh, Kansai and Hota. Uh, you know they're booting Hokuto all around the ring a bunch, and Aja tries to get her get her shit in uh, to break it up. But uh, this sequence at the start sealed it for me, and I was dialed in. Kansai tries a freaking double power bomb, but Akira jumps in. Uh, she drop kicks Aja by mistake, and no shit, she left a fucking footprint on her face. <laughs> you can see this thing; it's pretty rad. Hota's hitting a straight jacket pile driver for a two count, kind of our first like major near fall. And I thought it was fall one immediately because this is a two out of three falls match, and usually in the sense, at least they did this a lot more in the eighties. They take advantage of this stuff. And Fall 1 would always be, like, super quick on the quote-unquote heel team. And then it was fighting back for the baby faces. And uh, it's it lasted a little bit longer. Okay. And uh, we'll go into that. It's more crazy back and forth. Aja hits that diving elbow of hers for yet another crazy two-count near fall. Uh, incredible stuff. And so Fall 1 happens as such. Kansai counters a whip. Throws Hokuto into Aja's Uricon. Kansai blocks a shot from Aja on the rebound, gets her on her knees, and <laughs> no shit, Kansai punt kicks her in the face. Kong down! Kong down! Kong down! Refs counting to ten. 
She tries to pull herself up from the ropes right before 10, but she falls on her ass. Kong down. She is considered KO'd at the 14 minute 12 mark. And I'm like, my fucking hell, what a first fall. My God. So now, Kong is, she's out. That's Akira now left in a two-on-one situation. And the crowd knows this and is molten for Hokuto to stay in it. What a format brilliance there. I love this. It gets the biggest star in a in a situation where you get the crowd to even cheer for her harder than they already were. And Hota and Kansa are just playing these big brooding kick machines that are going to whoop this woman two on one. Many near falls, including a major one for Hokuto hitting an ugly last gasp effort, dangerous queen bomb on Kansai. And we get to Hota hitting a flying rolling kick to Kansai by mistake. So very, very much kind of like that first fall. Kansai stunned and Akira pounces on Hota hitting the NLB, the, excuse me, the Northern Lights bomb for three. This came at five minutes later, so that'd be around the 19-minute mark. Uh, Also didn't look so great, but got her uh, with the Northern Lights Bomb. Hokuto solo running this shit. My god and science Buddha. All the gods be praised. Praise be to Hokuto and her brilliance. And from here, it's fall three. And with Kong KO'd on the outside, basically, and Hota taken out by the MLB. The MLB. NLB. (laughs) It's the, <laughs> Hoto took a fastball from Hokuto right up in, right up on her chin. It's essentially a Hokuto-Kansai singles match to finish this off. And I need this format in the modern era immediately. Okay? There's count-out teases for Hokuto on Kansai. There's lariats and counters. A counter of Splash Mountain into a dragon suplex that was rad. Last-ditch effort for Hokuto on a garbage-looking Splash Mountain for two. <laughs> Okay, that comes after Kansai is going from uh, missile. Or, uh, that's where uh, Hokuto's trying to missile drop kick. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I got this. And uh, Kansai whips whips Hokuto off the top because she's trying those missiles and gets her into uh, gets her up into a, another Splash Mountain and uh, a, cl- a, a like after that like, garbage-looking one, Akira's, like, clearly done outside of a miracle roll-up. So Kansai hoists Hokuto up for a decisive, decisive Splash Mountain, and Akira is finished 10 minutes and 28 seconds later, 24 minutes, 39 seconds total, this three-falls match went. Guys, Big Dave won four and a half. I went five stars on this. I thought this was a perfect tag match. And I love the format. It was so unique and interesting and kept me in it. Look at, look at me giving Yumiko Hota a five-star match. I have done it. The day has come. Thought nothing was going to top that devil tag or even the lesser match between the Toyota Kyoko. But man, this show was just overall incredible. The selling in this post-match did not go on blind eyes either. Both Hota and Aja sold their essential knockouts for just minutes on end in the post-match, especially more so in Aja Kong, where it was a good, like, six minutes before she was even ready to get up. Again, I need this in my modern era. The talent is there, so we just need the formatting and the selling to get up to beat in many ways. There's not enough Tam Julia types out there and too much of the Chihiro types hitting a couple big suplex moves and calling it a day. Matches. 
<laughs> you got to have your rivalries. You got to make your matches mean so much more. And you got to translate that into the match. That's what makes Tam Julia special and like every Chihiro match, not special. And I know I'm picking on Chihiro Hashimoto a lot lately. That's what I get out of her. And that's not what I get out of Tam Julia. Tam Julia is closer to the boom period era than most other feuds and rivalries you see in today's women's wrestling. That's what makes this great. That's what makes this great. So I thought this Budokan uh, really delivered from the in-ring sense, especially kind of the top four matches on the card. Uh, it never ceases to amaze me how, you know, even occasionally I'll get down here and there on what's happening. But we're on Road to the Dome and Akira Hokuto's right on it. That'll do it for this episode of AJW Destiny. And we'll continue on into 1994. All right, so already had recorded the AEW All Out preview, and here I am bringing off the news of the CM Punk is fired train, and it's about fucking time. This guy was a cancer. This guy was nothing but troubles. Uh, he lasted about, what, nine months, and once he got injured and once he was done with that Hangman Page promo, it's been nothing but headache ever since, and this promotion can't get over it. So, goodbye, CM Punk. And all I gotta say to that afterwards is... Bye, boy! Bye, boy, Computer was buffering there for a second, but <laughs> that's gonna sound weird when we uh, when we get here. But I'll I'll fix it as best I can. Whatever. Ricky, we're back. Talk more AEW. If you're looking for the all in review or recap in our thoughts, <laughs> well, gonna have to head on over to that old Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/RedLeafRetroCast. Ricky and I went an hour and a half direct. Live reaction after All In with uh, good feedback from all the current subscribers. A good chunk of them uh, responded. Uh, Really liked our main event discussion. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Very uh, split reaction on uh, what we thought of the main event between you and I. Hey, go figure. You and I like different kinds of wrestling. <laughs> ah, well, you know, at least when we get to WCW, we can hate everything equally. <laughs> yes! <laughs> That'll be coming up later after uh, not a lot of New Japan to talk about right now. I guess the I guess the biggest question of New Japan 
um, would be the Wrestle Dream pay-per-view that was announced. Oh, yeah. We missed that little announcement because uh, we went on during the press conference. But <laughs> Tony Khan, <laughs> AEW, is doing a Inoki tribute show in Seattle uh, in October. Yeah. So the pay-per-view business is expanding for AEW, which is always... Gen- uh, a- when you look at history of a promotion... When it comes to mm-hmm. pay-per-views or running more big shows, it's always a sign of a healthy, making money type promotion, right? Sure. And with the exception of a few instances, very few instances, uh, the health is good, and it never really leads to a decline in the promotions, um, whether you want to call it a buy rate or something. What, what leads to declines is a poor product. That's what it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you put out a product people want to see, they will pay money for it. Even if, uh, e- I'll, I'll give an example. Stardom, <laughs> Joshi Promotion, people comment on mm-hmm. their pay-per-view model being uh, uh, almost predatory at times because they run 20 or so a year mm-hmm. at this point. Okay. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, the pay-per-views are just how often they run a an important show if you will. Mm-hmm. And if you, I always, I always stress this, like if you subscribe to the service, it's going to go up there eventually for your like five bucks a month. So is it sure a big deal? I, I always, I always am on the other end of the spectrum there. Uh, like you don't have to pay $50. There's an alternative way, right? Right. Uh, in Ooh, the, in the- speaking of which, um, Tony Khan announced today that all in is going to be, available on itv and itv4 in the uk replay so everyone in britain if they want can watch all in for free oh, that's on a television idea. yeah on delay yeah right. yeah so you get you, yeah that's uh that's that might be a pretty good strategy uh for getting it in people's heads for next year yeah um yep. but back to the russell dream thing it's it's I've seen a, a number of different uh, opinions on it, and my first impression of this announcement was it feels kind of weird. Like, mm-hmm. I really honestly thought I had read at first that this was going to be in Japan, not Seattle. And it was going to be a New Japan. It was like it would be like New Japan's version of Forbidden Door for them. And that's completely wrong. <laughs> Obviously, it's a it's a it's an AEW show tributed to Inoki. And, you know, yeah. we all understand Tony Khan's uh, history of fandom with New Japan. And Inoki is a big star, one of the biggest stars wrestling's ever had. Like, I get all that. That's a nice gesture. It just seems very strange to for an American promotion to do such a thing. It's it's out of the ordinary. Uh, honestly, my initial my initial reaction was kind of like this feels weird and predatory kind of in yeah. a weird, weird way. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Then after it, after the news kind of settled, I, I kind of realized it's kind of dumb to think that way. Uh, but I can't discount the initial thought that I had. Now, what's the status of like a New Japan and Stardom involvement? Because Bushi Road c- connection to Ooh. Inoki in some whatever fashion or or another that you can think. Uh, Stardom comes mm-hmm. up naturally in conversation just because of the parent promotion, uh, parent company. Uh, but in terms of that time frame, look, Stardom's got its Grand Prix that weekend. They're not getting big stars for that show. Right. Stardom's going to be busy. And New Japan has a Cork and Hall in which 
they've already announced most of their stars for that particular show. Mm. What that involvement could pertain to AEW uh, remains in the air. I'm more along the lines of, you know, if anyone's going to be involved with that show from these companies, that Mm -hmm. it's going to be more undercard type wrestlers, mid card that don't need to be on these bigger shows. So, uh, kind of take, and and I think that's, that's okay. I think that's totally fine. Um, new Japan and stardom do not run on AEW's schedule, (laughs) right? It's not their responsibility to be available for another company. Right. What do you think about this Russell dream? Um, remains to be seen. I don't know. It is very soon. Um, we we're doing two pip reviews back to back and now we have another one coming up in mm-hmm. sure. Uh, and then we'll have to build to full gear out of there too. So, um, I don't know. I think you're right about the business side of it. Adding another pay-per-view, um, you know, sounds like the company is healthy and they're going to draw. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from it at all. It's, um, Wrestle Dream sounds like a very Japanese pay-per-view. Right, yeah. Um, Especially since a lot yeah. of the stardom pay-per-views have the word dream in it. <laughs> yeah. Because they're playing Plenty off, playing off AJW then, past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I don't know. It. I, I don't know. I will, I will give some thoughts because this goes into our AEW All Out, uh, I guess preview we're going to do since the okay. entire all in review, uh, which again, go check out on the Patreon. Uh, I really massively enjoyed it. We got yeah, a few new fun. subscribers just off that review alone. So that Great. was nice to see. Thank you all for joining. Um, You know, we're not the biggest, you know, we're not like, uh, you know, voices of wrestling or anything out here with a huge Patreon, but you know, it's, sure. It's uh, it's nice to it's nice to see new new subscribers and um, new comments Always. and feedback and all that. So the all in thing was was a, a lot of fun. I love doing that with you, Ricky. Uh, yeah. Look forward to all out coming in this weekend. <laughs> That'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if you signed up this month, you're getting the five star Grand Prix every day. That's a grind to do. You're getting LLPW, Pure J, and live reactions of two AEW pay per views. I would say the five dollars goes a long, long way a lot of audio content. this month for sure <laughs> yeah so Especially watched month, um yeah. yeah so i i i brought up the russell dream first for a point that we're going to make when we okay. get to the all out preview uh when it came to dynamite and post all in i it did come out that travel issues the hurricane in florida some illnesses that were coming on from the international travel i get all that no problem mm-hmm. okay adjustments need to be made I, I, I was very adamant and opinionated over the, I think, the poor job in 2023 AEW has done in its adjustments to various things, mostly with in, when it comes to injuries and booking. Mm-hmm. It's been a theme of the year. When it comes to All Out, and particularly, I, I think they handled the Dynamite well, because those are last-minute changes. Sure. And a lot of people are understanding when you come out and say, look, due to illness and travel, you know, okay, things come up. That's fine. What I got an issue with is what is what has become of this all out card? 
Mm-hmm. And I don't buy the you only have a week to build it up. No, you know that you're doing this event months and months in advance. I've known for months, yeah. And really, a lot of these injuries people bring up, whether it's Brian Danielson. Look, that took place at Forbidden Door. That's back in June at yep, this point. We've known. Jamie Hayter. Being yep. she's been out since essentially February, as far as I'm concerned. And the, those are, those are just the, the the top two that come to mind, right? Of, of sure. injury yep. related. There's no yep. reason to keep listing off people. Yep. When I watched that dynamite last night, it really reminded myself of what makes me enjoy AEW and what makes me not. Okay. What makes me enjoy AEW is the good matches and strong promos and things that you can clearly see in the future. And I'm going to point mm-hmm. to that Moxley Orange Cassidy thing. That is a match mm. we've we've felt like and has been built up over a decent amount of time. Those are some loud crickets. Holy crap. <laughs> wow. I can't uh, hear them. Okay, good. Maybe my <laughs> audio can hear them. But, um, the Orange Cassidy Moxley thing feels hot. It feels important, makes the title yes. feel important. Orange Cassidy's run has felt important. Uh, people have had conversations on when he should lose it. Maybe he shouldn't lose it. That is what makes, to me, AEW good. And that's what we're used to as fans over the last number of years with this promotion. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. you look at something like what's happened with the world title, the ROH TV title, even the tag titles to an extent. Now you're left with questions. Yeah. So, yeah. Ricky, what did you think of Dynamite yeah. the other night? Um, wasn't my favorite. Okay. But um, I'm not hypercritical of it because of all of the things that we know that mm-hmm. went on backstage as far as like people not. Uh, being able to appear and all that. Um, it didn't feel, I thought the go home show to all in was one of the best go home shows ever for all elite wrestling. Hmm. Actually. Yeah. That might check out because a lot of the quote unquote go home shows, mm-hmm. the TV before the pay-per-view for AW, they have a history of it being kind of a throwaway show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that show worked, um, really worked, um, built the hype, built angles, made the show feel big. When I sat down Sunday morning to watch that show, even, you know, before I turned on the TV, it felt like a big deal, um, before I took in the stadium and everything. So, uh, this show had the challenge of being a fallout pay-per-view and a go-home show which um i don't think it accomplished either goal or like did a great job of either one um like a fallout from a pay-per-view usually you kind of like you know recap a little reset and build new feuds you know for the future um, but because this w- had to also build to a show coming up in a week, um, there wasn't so much of a reset as it was just kind of a continuation. Yeah. 
Um, the matches were good. Like there was good wrestling. Right. Um, so that's good. Yeah. So let's get into the card for all out here. We've known about the Luchasaurus Darby Allen match for a couple weeks and the Miro powerhouse mm-hmm. Hobbs singles match uh, for a couple weeks here. That's like fine. Mm-hmm. I got, so the weird thing is like in a vacuum, these matches are totally fine. Right. I think the bigger issue and the bigger expectation a lot of fans have, including myself, is this is all out. This is, to me, one of the... When it comes to AEW, mm-hmm. they have four pay-per-views a year, and now they have the All-In and Forbidden Door. Okay. But these four have always felt mm-hmm. like the biggest events of the year for the company, and going into this show, it doesn't feel that way. And it's really Mm -hmm. indicative of how this company's been booked, I think, all year. And the lack of kind of direction up and down, uh, well, the card. So I can kind of point to, I I think the sole exception on this card is Moxley Orange Cassidy. I think that's been good the entire step of the way, which is also why I think that should main event. Do you agree with that? Yes, that's what I was going to say uh, when we were setting up before and, you know, uh, kind of get, getting into this. That's exactly what I was going to say, was that that should be the main event, um, especially if we're not getting a world title or a real world title defense. Real world. Oh, boy. Supposedly, yeah, well, that was going to be the initial main event was. Yeah. And I that. That's an example. Of, so, OK, I got to bring this up then. I'm going to I'm going to divert here. OK, so okay. Punk's, Punk's suspended. So's Perry uh, altercation, blah, blah, blah. We discussed that at all, like live reaction all in. OK. Mm-hmm. I have a real issue with having a fake title. Be a main event of one of your main pay-per-views. Yeah. Not that not that Ricky Starks doesn't deserve to be in that slot. Um, that belt doesn't deserve to be in that slot. That belt shouldn't exist, and we've talked about this kayfabe-wise. People should be more mad that it does exist. <laughs> right. So that that's that's a huge issue. My other issue is a lot of these kind of hearsay written in, this is what was supposed to be... It, Okay, fine. Whatever. I I really don't buy a lot of that as a valid excuse as to what's be what ends up being put on screen at such a consistent rate with this company lately. Mm. And if the like if if it's to be believed and that's how you're critiquing the company, okay, that's you're more than welcome to do that. What I'm seeing on screen right now is Ricky Starks is now being pivoted to a possible uh, 60-plus-year-old Ricky Steamboat match. <laughs> he's 70. <laughs> no. He's 70 now? Yeah. Oh, my God. Or or close to it, yes. He's 70. So I got a problem with that. Sure. Uh, while 
a lot of members on your roster could fill that void. Like, I don't know, Hangman Page is a very popular scapegoat for this reason. Right? Mm-hmm. What's he doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to go on the women's division side, what's Athena doing? What is Athena doing? Right. The list goes on. Okay. I'll use those two as prime examples rather than just continuously li- listing names. Yep. So we both agree Cassidy Moxley, that's good. No issue. Uh, well, who do you think should win? How about that? That's a fun one. I don't know. Who do you want to win? I don't know. I've been thinking about this. Um, I don't know. I All think right. I'll fill the Moxley. Void then. W- I think Moxley will win. Don't know if that's what I want or not. Orange's run has been so good, um, but I don't think. I think if he loses, not like he's going to be off our TVs for very long, just long enough to miss him. So I don't know. We'll see. If you were asking me this question last year or the last two years, to mm-hmm. me the story is very obvious based on what's played out over the last number of weeks. Cassidy's beat up, he's broken, Mm -hmm. he's tired. He even said it in his promo, Mm -hmm. right? Right. He's very motivated to continue and beat Moxley. The feud with the best friends and the BCC over the last couple months has been solid, very much enjoyable. Moxley would beat Orange Cassidy, carry this international title, keep it very prestigious, and it it bumps up a notch because of the Cassidy run and it headlighting this pay-per-view. And now you have one of your biggest stars also holding it. Really legitimizes this title, okay? Cassidy sure. yeah. just beat Claudio, pinned him in the ring at oh. All In. Oh. Well, okay. you have a Ring of Honor pay-per-view in X amount of time, or okay. Wrestle Dream. There's a Ring of Honor title match right there, and you essentially have Cassidy lose up in a quote-unquote fashion, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it continues to play to into that story. That makes sense to me. Makes total um, sense he, in the world. With the company yeah, right he, now, hmm. I'm not so confident they're going to go in any direction remotely relating to that. I'd like to be proven <laughs> wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, he is the right type of champ to lose up, as you say. Um, I think that type of booking does work. Yeah, we've um, seen it with New Japan in a way for the last decade, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. 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 All right. I like that. So Luchasaurus, Darby Allen. I don't know. I'm kind of the same thing with Miro Hobbs. I'm kind of just like mm. these are undercard pay-per-view type matches. Mm-hmm. I'm more interested in what Christian Cage is doing Yep. Uh, in this side. I'd like to see more involvement with um, Swerve in this story, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. it comes to Miro Powerhouse Hobbs, I couldn't care less. Both guys have been booked yeah. in squash matches for months. Uh, it doesn't feel hot. Um, I'm sure the match might be fine. I'm not confident yeah. in Miro in this day and age right now. Okay. We just haven't seen him enough. We haven't. He sure. hasn't done anything. Sure. Uh, Statlander Ruby Soho, it's the sole women's match because God knows it's just impossible. 
Impossible, Ricky, to possibly book two women's matches on a main card. That's just the, the world title. The world title is not on the pay-per-view. Why like, would it be? The women's world title. Why would it be? Literally, they have a brand new. Oh, my God. No, can't do it. <sighs> can't do it. It's too late. <laughs> and honestly, do you really want to see a Soraya singles match? Uh, no, I think we dived into that yeah. on our yeah. all in. It's a lose lose. It's a lose lose situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, Statlander should retain as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Kenny Omega, Kanosuke, Takeshita. Okay. I think the match is going to be amazing, barring some sort of, like, TNA fuck finish type shit. Okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Assuming that doesn't happen, the match should be out of this world, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Yep. However, I have a problem. What's your problem? It feels a lot more cold than it should be. Because Takeshita has been off TV... So often this summer since his heel turn. And Omega has been essentially on ice. Now, the. I, I, I don't really understand where this comes from other than just people's theories and trying to theorize why Omega has been consistently off TV and uh, since the Forbidden Door pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're waiting for contracts and all that. I was like, I don't know. Just tell me he's on vacation or something. That's fine, too. Yeah. But this this should have been a lot more hot than it is now. And all it takes is a little TV time. And the yep. effort was not put in. And then for that finish it all all in to be the roll up and the way it went down. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was good enough. So saying that. I think Omega should win. Yeah. I, uh, I, mm, um, here's why. Yeah. As you, when you as you collect your the, thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Here's why. Because it feels cold, and Takeshita needs to get some heat back. Mm. And the way modern wrestling kind of works in a weird way these days is Kone- mm. Konosuke Takeshita is so good, and people still like him as a wrestler. And want to see him mm. win. Don Callis gets the heat. He can keep that. Right? Right. Need to somehow get heat on Takeshita. And to me, him losing would get fans on his side. But having Omega beat him will keep Omega where he's at. Okay. And then the story will be, can Takeshita beat Omega? And mm-hmm. it will be now clear on our screen rather than just the headcanon of student teacher. Yeah. I mean, that's all I had in my brain was the kind of, you know, he is the, uh, more senior, more experienced guy. And right. I guess you can't beat him yet. Right. So um, I think this is a grand opportunity. We have a month to wrestle dream, two months to full gear. I don't care which one you do it at. Okay. Takeshita loses this match. Omega yep. proves he's still dominant. Mm-hmm. And then at the next pay-per-view or in two pay-per-views, because you got to fill these cards out somehow, right? Yeah, yeah. You can build Takeshita up doing bad shit with Don Callis, whether it's in yeah. the ring, in the back, I don't care. He's got to be on TV. He's got to beat people yeah. 
Because one thing he hasn't done, he hasn't beaten anybody. I, not really. Not truly. Like, one, two, three in the middle. Mm-hmm, who ha- mm-hmm. Tell me, who has he beat? Uh, I don't know. Exactly. That's the problem. So if we do this <laughs> in a month, and he's berating Omega, and Don mm-hmm. Callis is cutting promos, and hell, beat a young buck in a singles match. Yeah. Right? That'd yeah, be- that would be good. Yeah, or Takeshita gets a tag partner and they beat the Young Bucks, or whatever. I'm just throwing out, like, random ideas. I want to yeah. see Takeshita get some wins, and it builds up his eventual biggest win over Omega, and that's how you put someone over. If Takeshita beats Omega at All Out, that's still a big win, there's no doubt, on paper. Mm-hmm. But it won't get him over to the extent to actually have it mean more than it should. Yep. Yep. Okay. And now I think we've gone kind of more (laughs) downhill. Uh, Bullet Club Gold versus, yeah, Bullet Club Gold versus FTR teaming with the Young Bucks. Can they coexist? Um... Yes, and they'll they'll win the match. Oh, you think they'll win? But yeah, but I think it's going to solidify heel a heel turn for the Bucks. Hmm. Heel elite this soon? No, not heel elite. Just heel Bucks. Hmm. Okay. And then you know drama between them and the rest. I mean, and then. I don't know. Then maybe maybe Hangman can't lean on them, so he leans more on Kenny. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, I have no feel it for this match. Soon. There's yeah. this feels like a match that would be on collision, setting something up for the pay per view rather mm. than a pay per view match. Eddie Kingston yeah. Shibata against the BCC duo of Claudio and Wheeler Utah. Um, Straight out of a Ring of Honor show, I guess. It's a Ring of Honor. Yeah, that's a Ring of Honor match. Very weird. That's uh, it. That is just a Ring of Honor match. Is Shibata the, still the pure champion? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to me, it doesn't matter who wins wins this. Um, nope. I don't know. With the way AEW's going, they'll probably just set up yet another Kingston-Claudio like Ring of Honor title match, which... <laughs> Eh, I'm kind of over it. I'd rather see them have. I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. I'd rather mm. them do that. I'd rather do a Claudio Cassidy Ring of Honor title match. Cassidy mm-hmm. wins, and then they pivot fully into Claudio Eddie Blood Feud. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't hate that because you can keep Kingston Claudio going as long as they can i mean they're yeah. clearly extending it while cassidy would maintain staying very hot in that sense yeah and then um... i just don't think they're gonna do that i think they're just gonna do the more i i really i really think a lot of aw right now is just lazy booking yeah to make up with the best Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't catch that. What? What did you? Uh, what did you say? Oh, 
It said, and Yuda at some point has to make up with the best friends, right? Like whether it's Does he? in a year or three years, I think so. Hmm. That and that's what necessary? my heart wants. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's what I want. I'd rather see Yuda go at it with like Daniel Garcia and those types of guys. Yeah, I want to see them go at it too. I'm just saying he needs to make amends with the best friends at some point. Okay. Uh, totally random match on this thing. Shane Taylor against Samojo for the ROH TV title. It's literally a TV title. TV title. Yeah, just I, I don't know. Name. I don't know. They they didn't explain it on TV. If you're one of the like five people watching Ring of Honor TV, there was apparently a tournament. Yes. On Honor Club. And yes. No match went over seven minutes. Most of them were about five. Right. Yep. And let me tell you, this is not a who's who of people to be on no. an AEW pay-per-view. When you got no, Ser- no, Serpentico no. and Cheeseburger in your brackets, no good. No good to me. I'm glad I'm seeing Samoa Joe on a pay-per-view, but mm-hmm. and I'm not the biggest Shane Taylor fan. I don't have an issue with the guy, but there's so many guys on this, on not on this card, or nor were on the all-in card, that I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just really confused over... Like the the like a lot of these matches, I just I I do not understand the true purpose of it. So we still okay. There's one more match to discuss, and then um, I have thoughts uh, before we wrap up the all out discussion. So the last match um, that we didn't touch on was MJF and Adam Cole. Oh. Um, versus the winner of the Ring of Honor Tag Team Battle Royal, which um, has been taped, but as to, at the time of recording, this show has not aired yet. So I think by the time it goes out, it will have aired. So I think I can safely yes. say yes, this say with it. no spoilers. No spoiler warning. Uh, it will be MJF and Adam Cole versus uh, Alex Reynolds and John Silver of the Dark Order. Yes, the Beaver Boys. My Beaver Boys. Okay, we're both fans of the Beaver Boys. Beyond wrestling, yeah. all that. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is this match? Okay. Um, I was thinking about it, and I was surprised that they were the winners when I heard it. Um, but then I remembered how great they were in that all-out trios match last year. That trios match was one of my matches of the year. Um. And it tore the house down, and I think they are very capable of having a very strong pay-per-view match. I don't doubt the quality of the Beaver Boys to deliver a good match. Okay, I worry. Okay. I worry. I, I do worry about the um, drama that Cole and MJF are going to do. <laughs> mm. I do worry about that, sure. especially with my opinion of what's going on. Well. I have a bigger issue with essentially a jobber team, okay, that this could have been on a rampage and could have tore the house down at 1030 Mm. at night, 11 o'clock or whatever time zone you watch it in. And that would I would not have had any problem with that. I would have been like, cool. What's the real pay-per-view match? (laughs) And (laughs) when 
I heard like the Tony Khan emergency break glass, uh, small bracket and battle royal stipulation for yeah, title yeah, challengers yeah. has to stop. Usually I don't have yeah. an issue with these things. I like tournaments. Th- this is getting ridiculous with this with this promotion. And are we going to get a tournament with more than eight people? Right. Right. Exactly. If you got all this TV tournament. time. Right. It's not right. It's it's not a tournament. It's like, <laughs> anyways. Um, <clears throat> so I'm watching Dynamite. Okay. This where this where this is where like a collection of thoughts came. I'm watching Dynamite. Okay. Cole's out there cutting his his promo where he might as well kiss Roderick Strong. <laughs> and Roderick Strong is 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 worried. So the kingdom's out there, and I go, Oh, because what did I say on the all in review? Sure looks like Adam Cole MJF against the Kingdom, ROH tag titles, plays into oh, the yeah. story. Makes sense. Not really what I want. It doesn't knock my socks off to an extent, mm-hmm. but I was like, okay, that makes sense. So they announced this Battle Royal, and then the Kingdom aren't even in it. (laughs) Like, what are we doing? And so I see Ozzy Open. I'm like, oh, is this going to be Ozzy Open's, like, actual big match to have with Cole and MJF and get some, like, credibility back? Well, they don't win either. So now I'm kind Uh, of aggravated at Ozzy Open getting essentially buried the way they did. As far as I'm concerned, they're buried now. There's going to be yeah. some rehab to do. Yeah. So what are we doing with the world champion of this promotion? With And, and to top that off with the rumor that mm-hmm. CM Punk, the fake champion, was going to actually headline. Things are not aligning right now. And I'm 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 quite irritated. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't pieced that all together, but that. Oh, I understand your frustration. Yeah, I sure do. That makes a lot of sense. I, hmm. Yep. I don't have, I, I don't have a lot to add because that is justifiable. Uh, yeah. I'll put it another way. I'll put it another way for perspective. <laughs> okay. Yeah. New Japan runs a schedule of their own with like new beginning in Hiroshima and then new beginning in, I don't know, Osaka back to back days. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And new beginning in Hiroshima, uh, might have a Naito intercontinental title defense as your main event. A la mm-hmm. for comparison purposes, orange Cassidy, John Moxley international title. Okay. 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 And then you'll have a, I don't know, big J white versus, uh, top of my head. Um, I don't know. Hiroki Goto, work with me here. Semi-main event, big singles match with future implications for someone getting a push up the card. Okay? A la your Omega Takeshita match. Okay? Sure. Then when you go from there, there's a tag title match maybe underneath that. Maybe you have a nice, uh, good singles match again or a, a, a big tag. You get the similarity of the card structure here. You ha- and mm-hmm, then you fill out the mm-hmm. rest of the card with Young Lions, six-man tags, and the like. I'm saying this card is closer to a New Beginning in Hiroshima Day 1 card. While when you look at the New Beginning Day 2 in Osaka, where it draws more, you have the world title match in the main event. Uh, mm-hmm. You have an even bigger semi-main event. Like, it, it goes up a notch on the second day. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
there is no second day. This is AEW all <laughs> out. You're one of your <sighs> annual biggest shows of the year. When CM Punk returned, this was your biggest buy rate pay-per-view you've ever had. And now we're yeah. looking at this in 2023, and I'm comparing it to a day one February New Japan show after Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's acceptable. <sighs> and I don't buy it's the not... <sighs> I don't like, do you remember a lot of the conversations, whether it was on Twitter or the like, where mm-hmm. uh uh well, you can't burn off all your matches for all in. You have to have some for all out. Well, they're not even doing that. So that that's completely gone. That reason. Right. And I never bought it in the first place because you know this is on the card. I've seen companies many times over the last three years make back-to-back nights or pay-per-views within mm-hmm. a week or two weeks. of it. Like, sure. it can be done. You just plan it out. Nothing. Yep. There's so much of this that d- just does not seem planned out. If you had it planned out, you're not doing Adam Cole MJF against the Beaver Boys on pay per view. You're not doing that. So what? What are we doing? I'm 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 excited for a number of matches on the card, but when you mm-hmm. p- piece it all together, I'm very annoyed and aggravated as a fan. Yeah, it's it's difficult because I haven't been anticipating this show at all. But then when I look at it, I'm like, these matches are going to slap. Like, I'm not questioning the quality of right, wrestling am that I. we're going to see at all. Um, but that's not the only reason why we watch wrestling. We watch it for the stories and the drama, and it hasn't been there. Yeah, I, 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 I was listening back to a part of the All In Review, and I said, this company is so lucky that the roster is accumulated the way it is and they're so motivated and they'll go out and kill it all the time and they're allowed mm-hmm. to do that that's the grand saving factor of AEW to me right now mm-hmm. is I can look up and down this card and say yes every match should be good minimum yeah I have no doubt about that yeah and maybe we'll get some more swerves and things okay so this is what I was going to say um, earlier before we started talking about this match. So first of all, Beaver Boys, Dark Order are turning more heel lately, or at least they're turning back into like what Dark Order kind of was before um, and when Brody was still with us. Um, it kind of turned into a joke. <laughs> um, right. I mean, but after Brody's death, I mean, they had to turn face. They were faces. They're immediately beloved. Sure. Um, so I don't, I, I, you know, and they have had great matches. Like I said, they had one of the best matches of the night on last year's All Out. But um, so they are turning more heel. Um, so that's going to be the face heel dynamic of that tag match um, with Adam Cole and MJF as the baby faces. Um, but like you said, we also have coming up on collision, which we haven't seen yet. We have Ricky Starks calling out Ricky steamboat <laughs> supposedly for a strap match to be on the pay-per-view card. Um, I don't see Ricky Starks, a 70 year old, uh, excuse me, Ricky steamboat at 70 wrestling a strap match 
on a pay-per-view. Uh, I'm assuming someone else is going to come out and I sure you know, hope say, so. Stop this madness and I like as much as I'm a huge Ricky Steamboat fan and I've seen fucking hundreds of his matches, right? Mm-hmm. It's 2023. I have no desire to see an a 70 or almost 70 year old man go in there on pay per view, right? In so, a in a prominent um, match that apparently is just impossible to get on these cards for these <laughs> roster mem- members, right? It took three and a half years or four years for Emmy Sakura to just get on Dynamite again. <laughs> yep. Yep. You know. Um. Yeah. So uh, that's something else that's going to be added to the card on Saturday. I'm wondering if they're going to add another match or two, and some of the matches we've already discussed. I don't think are it matters. Sh- I don't think it matters the whether they add some or not. My feelings don't change on it. Let, let's say they have a, add a uh, Soraya match last minute, or they add mm-hmm. the supposed rumor of Athena versus Billy Starks to the zero hour. I was like, yeah. we just saw that zero hour same match at Forbidden Door. What are we doing? Oh, yeah. That's a good point. We did just see it. Like, I saw that live and I was yeah, like, OK, it was fine. I get it. But. Yeah. Um, so noticeably absent from the card, though, um, Hangman Page. Oh, well, he. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Um, Jericho. He's got uh, Brian Keith on Rampage, though. He's got time for that. Oh my that. gosh, I'm so excited. And man, <laughs> the way my timeline uh, exploded when they announced Brian Keith versus Hegman, <laughs> man. People are psyched for that match. So hopefully, and I know Tony does pay attention to social media, so hopefully he understands how excited people are to see him on our televisions. Um, he has noticed that we have absent on the card. Jericho is not on the card. A uh, women's world title is not on the card. Um, so no Tony, no Brit. Um, yeah, I don't know what they're doing. Women being absent uh, absent from AEW cards doesn't like I'm. It's 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 expected, right? The the absolute right. bare minimum is expected. Right, but I'm just saying they are noticeably yeah. absent. No, no Britt Baker. When is the last pay-per-view that hasn't had a Britt Baker match? It's been quite some time. Yeah. It's been quite some time. Has there ever been one without a Britt Baker match? Well, um, was she injured um, for one of them? uh, Oh, maybe. But you get my point. Yeah. Uh, all right. So all else this weekend, live reaction, Patreon. Patreon.com slash RedLeafRetroCast, $5 tier. Go join. Time to lose our minds reviewing Nitro. Here we go. <laughs> oh, boy. Playing this drop. Right. It's loading up the horrible, horrible 1999-2000 intro music. Here we go. All right. January 17th, 2000, from Columbus, Ohio. 10,000 people in the arena here. Tony Schiavone, Mike Tanay, Bobby Keenan on comms to completely bury the show <laughs> as, as we watch it. Yep. 
Uh, I did not get the chance to do any like observer reading over the backstage politics at the time. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I'll probably do that like in my free time afterwards. But um, surprisingly, I didn't like hate the show with a burning passion. And I have <laughs> the I have the strangest of feelings that Vince Russo is not currently in WCW in the back at this point in time. After sold out, because okay. this is the post sold out 2000 show. Uh, right. And because I say that because this did not feel like a Vince Russo show to the T. So bad, though. Well, it was still bad, but it was <laughs> like coherent in a way. There was okay. there let's, was like let's dive in because I don't agree at all. Oh, you don't agree. OK, uh, well, then we begin with a complete like recap of all the bullshit that happened at sold out 2000. One of the worst pay-per-views you'll ever see in your life uh, where people didn't show up. People no showed people uh, got uh, pulled off the card due to concussions, uh, just a host of just nonsense and mess. And now um, the radicals are on their way to the WWF uh, all of them have essentially walked out and left the company because of a backstage like threat from per- WCW personnel right. to Dean Malenko, Perry Saturn, uh, Eddie Guerrero, and Chris Benoit, who had won the title the night before. It is now yep. vacated because we get this Arn <laughs> Anderson promo of him going, well, I'm a shitty referee. I'm, uh, I-, I-, I respect the business and what they do now. He recaps like the ropes and the rope breaks of both men, how he didn't, yeah. he, how he caught Benoit's but didn't catch Sid Vicious. And we saw it, we said that on the yeah. pay per view. Like, okay. But all it right. was a good promo, great promo from no, our Great explanation actually. for yeah. a disaster of a situation that they uh, yeah. put on themselves. Yeah. The problem except, with that is, the, pro- the problem with that is, apparently, Arn Anderson can just like make a title vacate. <laughs> No, no, no. I don't. Okay, so again, here's the thing about coherency, right? Nash on the pay per view already said, "Enjoy your time with the title at midnight. It's not going to be yours anymore." But that's not the explanation of Nash stripping him. I or know. Anything. I know. That's what I'm saying. That it's not coherent. Or right. Cohesive. I'm saying it's not coherent. There's there's problems yeah. there. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I was okay. like, okay, maybe maybe I, I uh, misspoke or didn't make it clear. When I say coherent, I was like, just how the how the like card played out on the show, okay. not like the stories or anything. Yeah, there's a difference between coherent, coherent, and cohesive. That's why I changed my language. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, then the language I used was poor. I apologize. Um, so so we get all that. NWO arrives. Kevin Nash is now the commissioner of WCW because power just changes in this company just willy-nilly. Right? It actually, wait, but the show actually opened with in-ring action. It did. Kidman in psychosis right then and there. Yeah. And it was fine. It was a fine little, what, six-minute match? It was fine. Seven. Oh, my God. What a, uh. What a marathon these two these two went on yeah. Nitro in it was, 2000. <laughs> it was, um, 
it so it opened with in-ring action when it started i kind of forgot that kidman had been on the pay-per-view i was like okay that's a weird way to start the show when so many things from the pay-per-view were left hanging and open-ended mm-hmm. um but i love when wrestling shows start in the ring and they just dive in yeah. and do some wrestling um and yeah, then they did all of the explanation stuff um so that part was good that's the yeah. only nice thing i'm gonna say about the show probably okay so kidman wins <laughs> at an Arn's promo uh let's see and then oh wow the uh review i'm reading reading um for the uh, uh detail recap <laughs> says yeah. uh kidman against uh psychosis was the best wcw match they've had since november <laughs> that was at mayhem yikes Ooh. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Terry Funk got beaten up last night for what he believed in and what a real man does. <laughs> brutalized, so brutalized, brutalized, brutalized. You know. uh, never you mind, he's been beaten up like every week since he became commissioner. <laughs> the NWS put this man in the dirt. Almost literally. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. We have a recap of title holders. Okay. All right. Back to the locker room. We get a Booker T promo talking about his brother, Stevie Ray, Uh and Big T back in the day. Big T no good. (laughs) He no good for you. Not my brother. Blah, blah, blah. All right. So then they cut to Stevie Ray in the ring (laughs) with uh, Big T. And Stevie Ray calls him the best uh, insult and catchphrase going on right now. Cracker Jack fruit booty. Oh, my God. Come on, that pops you every time, doesn't it? I I don't know. Some there was a lot of bleeps on this one for me. Really? I, mean, I Scott Snyder my feed gets was bleeped, edited. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there was a lot of bleeping going on, so I don't know if I caught all of that. Okay. Well, Stevie Ray uh, is calling everyone fruit booties. It's over. Okay. <laughs> Cracker Jack, sad sack. Everyone's a fruit booty. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh. Are you familiar with who Big T is exactly? No, I was going to ask. I have no idea who he is. All right. So um, he is a WWF wrestler that Vince McMahon really wanted to push. You know, big athletic Mm -hmm. ex-football player. Uh, The problem is he got injured all the time. Okay. Mm. And I don't remember if he had a lot of like backstage issues or not, but they stopped trusting him. Contract went out. Now he's in WCW. Uh, and of course, he's immediately put with the other black people on the show. <laughs> sure. You know, well, gotta, gotta do it. You, you couldn't possibly yep. do anything else. Anyways. So Stevie Ray cuts a really funny promo. I actually kind of like it. Big T looks menacing. He's huge. Booker T yeah. comes out on request. And Stevie Ray, from the bottom of his heart, says, I will forgive him if he apologizes and... Uh, you know, good. He- I actually thought this was good. The problem is, I don't want to see Stevie Ray ever wrestle in the ring. So, yeah. Booker T uh, uh, is mad, throw- starts throwing fists, and then for some reason, Nick Patrick comes out, who doesn't even like look remotely the same anymore. That's the referee. And they just ring the bell, oh, okay. and it's Booker T and Big T oh, yeah. in a match randomly, and Big T just kicks in his ass. Street clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very strange. Yeah. I was very confused. Um, 
So not the like the the worst thing in the world, but and then they beat up Booker T in the match. I mean, it still feels hot, I guess, in the relative sense oh. of WCW ninety nine. Okay. No, you don't think so. Okay. I mean, uh, relative. Yes, I guess rel- in the relative sense. Okay. All right. All right. Come on. We gotta. We gotta work with work with what we got here. <laughs> yep. Yep. Vampiro versus Disco Inferno. The fuck was this? Uh, it was a bad match. That's the what it fuck was. Was this? It was not a match. Sure, it was. I mean, Come on. It went a it whole went three a whole minutes. Four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Almost four. Um. Yeah, I have no, I have no notes. <laughs> okay. I I, I, oh, I no, mean, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Oh, the uh, recap review says Russo is temporarily gone from the show. Ah, there wow. you go. I knew it. <laughs> I knew Impressive. it. Impressive. Okay. Impressive. Scott Steiner is with Kevin Nash, and he has some fucking hot women for him. Oh, baby. Woo! Ooh, get the coyote uh, uh, things going. Come on. Woohoo! Skanky women, Ricky. 1990, 1999, 2000. Come on. Woo! Yep. 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 They were there. Yeah, Kevin Nash got her to bend over, and they're like, and he looks at her. He's, come on. Not into that? Not into the. I mean, I'm all about hot women, but um, <laughs> I. I mean, to me, this is not attractive. So, mm. but I understand. I understand what they're telling us. Anyway. Ooh, they have names apparently. Women. Yeah. Uh, there was the one in the white strapless. Yes, she was blonde, and then there <laughs> was one the in one red. In, yeah, uh, no, one in black, one in white, one in black. I don't remember the other one. The one in the white stuck out to me. That was the okay. yeah. All right. I really laughed when Scott Steiner goes to one of the women and he goes, "You want to play Twista?" <laughs> and she goes, "I love Twister." <laughs> and Kevin Nash kind of looks over and goes, "Twister." Oh my god! I can't bend that way. <laughs> oh my goodness! My goodness! We cut to the ring. Three count is here for a boy band performance in which the camera cuts away and we don't see a second of it. Yeah. Who? Okay. <laughs> I'm glad they named them either during the performance or after the performance. Have we seen them before? Or is this a new act on the show? So we saw them for a split second randomly, I think in like late December. And then we hadn't seen them since. So I assume they're just, they've just been hanging out on like Thunder and Saturday night and that kind of stuff. Uh, Mm. Yeah. You you remember Evan Courageous was with Medusa and doing that wacky nonsense storyline. And as soon as like Mayhem was over, he was a boy band guy. Oh. Yeah, I know. Excuse really, me. Really get you going for this David Flair crowbar match with three <laughs> uh, Again, not a match. <laughs> uh, no, it went. Uh, it also went three minutes. Totally a match. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? Crowbar the worst. gets the win. Yeah, he sure does. Okay. Oh, uh, goodness. Okay. 
Um, oh, but at least during the boy band performance, commentary was carrying it. So, mm. Kevin Nash in the back again. He asked the ladies to leave because he's got NWO business. Hmm. He needs to get rid of the old age outlaws, even though only Arn Anderson was on the show for a little bit. <laughs> and he also took three or four tries to get the words old age, out- age outlaws out of his mouth. Yeah, it's a tongue twister. Uh, yep. Tank Abbott uh, knocks out Maestro in like two seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. That was my favorite match of the show. Oh, it was kidding, your favorite? It was uh, 13 yeah. seconds, actually. How about that? Uh, that's a joke, but I did enjoy it. Um, obviously not as much as the opening match. Okay. Uh, for some reason, Norman Smiley came out, and then Tank Abbott like stares him down. I yeah. don't really know why. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and then. Oh boy. Okay. Okay. Then there's okay. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> here's the. Here's why this show sucks. <laughs> oh. Come on. You didn't you didn't like the uh one thousand year Kevin Nash segment of berating everyone and cracking jokes? Okay. I love Kevin Nash. Oh do I you? love me some big sexy. Oh, oh, okay. oh, right. oh. He is big and sexy. Like I prefer are... Sid Vicious drinking surge. I love me some Kevin Nash, but who boy. So oh, you best rough. get used to this Kevin Nash. This, this, this is, is who rough. you're going to see. This is rough. Okay, so the entire locker room empties into the ring. <laughs> Kevin Nash can address the roster and talk about the regime change. Acting new commissioner. Um, it's all hot garbage. <laughs> oh, come on. All of it? It's all, like, meant to be funny. Like heelish and uh-huh. comedic, uh-huh. and none of it comes across. None of no one's laughing. Oh come no on! No one is laughing. Uh, he's going to require rectal exams. No one laughs. Hmm. He's going to confiscate any illegal substances, including everyone's Viagra. Hmm. No so one you're laughs. Not, okay, so Ricky, not a fan of the butt jokes. Uh, no uh, penis jokes, I, not funny. Okay, got it. All right. No, no, no. Didn't they land. They are funny. If they're delivered properly, mm, I don't and know. if the crowd reacts, professional comedian Kevin Nash, I, I, I just maybe maybe your <sighs> funny bone isn't working. I think that's what's happening here. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's me. You're right. It's me. It's I'm def- the I reason. Think it's definitely you. You're I'm not, the reason. You're not giving Kevin I didn't Nash like this segment a chance. Yes, because he starts off, and I can't believe you uh, didn't get this prime comedy uh, out of the way first. Um, oh. He starts naming uh, the Harris brothers, okay, right? And he praises okay. himself, and uh, he goes, Mike Tanay, I'm going to give you a personality. And Brian Nobbs, you need a brain. And Tank Abbott, you need a heart. And Norman Smiley, you need courage. And he goes, I sound like Oz up here. You know, Wizard the Wizard of Oz and yes, his character yes. before he was Kevin Nash and Diesel was Oz? No? Uh, see, I didn't know that. That went over uh, my head. 
See, if you would have known that, you would have just uh, been in stitches. Rolling on the floor laughing. <laughs> Raffle, as the kids say. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, for sure. Okay. U.S. champion has been stripped. Ah, another vacated title. Yeah, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, okay. Jeff Jarrett has the title back. (sighs) He just hands it to him. Yeah. Doesn't have to win it back, he's just like, here, this is yours. Absolutely fair. I I understand. It's well within his right, he is the commissioner. Fine. Yeah. What, you don't think he has the power and the right? Uh... Ricky, I, I get, I'm getting the sense that you are not enjoying this Kevin Nash uh, power regime. Oh, but it's 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 doing what it's supposed to do, I guess. Hmm. Oh shit! I'm not I'm not so sure. I believe you. <laughs> I'm saying right now, like maybe this is just heel shit, and I'm you not. You will call it. him Lord Master. That's what Kevin Nash demands out of you. You will not look him in the eye either. You'll okay. keep your head down. Okay. And he will decide what the world title state will be now that it's vacated at a later date. He'll let you know. So don't don't worry about that. Okay? It's only the world title. Okay. It's been vacated like six times in four months. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So he books the main event. Buff Bagel against DDP again. Because if you bought the pay-per-view, yeah. you sure just didn't feel like you got your money uh, ripped off from you. Now that you get to see the same match on TV with supposedly a better angle. With a special angle. referee. With yeah. a special referee. Kimberly is the special ref, and he's got a special outfit for her, Ricky. Oh, I was so nervous. Oh, my God. I was so nervous. <laughs> and he sticks his it tongue out. And he's like, Bleh. Yeah. <laughs> It was not as bad as I had it. No, it was just it was God. just a ref shirt like tied just up just from the belly. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. fine. Yeah, 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 it was fine. It was totally fine. Oh my God, I was so nervous. Yeah, I was, I was so like, I wonder nervous. what she's gonna come out in like a g string. Oh and I was you know, so nervous. <laughs> uh, okay, so we got NWO Team Two Thousand from New Japan Wrestling. I shit you not. We had this is in, yeah. this is in yeah. two thousand. This is. Masahiro Chono and Jeff Farmer, which commentary says, do you remember NWO fake sting? That's him. (laughs) Against the fucking varsity club. Rick Steiner and Rotunda. I-R-S. O- Yep. My God, this was bad. It was so bad and so long for so, a WCW how long, match. How, how long was this fucking thing? It nine was minutes. Nine minutes. Oh God! And just an awkward fucking finish. Awkward so post match where like Chono's like looking around, going what? And then he just beat him up, and they leave. Yeah, I was just I just got sad watching this match though. Oh. Watching Mike Rotunda r- wrestle and knowing he's still with us and his son is not made me really sad. Oh, uh, um, the match was terrible. <laughs> it was fucking garbage. So bad. <laughs> well, a not so bad match was um, Sid Vicious against the Wall, mostly oh, because yeah. it went like two minutes, and Sid Vicious choke slams him, pins him, yep. all while yep. it mostly kind of cuts to the back. I was like weirdly into this because oh, it's yeah a brawl, and Go then ahead. it's just two big guys just going at each other. It's very simple formula. 
The bar is low. Um, so work, work. Yeah, but it, <laughs> did, it did cut back. It cut backstage in the middle of the match. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Uh, Kevin Nash ordered somebody to go out and beat them. Uh, it was Disco Inferno up. and the stereotypical uh, meatballers. Italian guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I uh, go, go beat up um, Sid Vicious for me right yeah. now. And they go, yeah. yes, sir. And then Sid Vicious just pummels them one by one. So mission accomplished. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, total package. That's Lex Luger, for those that are keeping up, mm-hmm. is against uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. They're referencing the Sting thing. Nothing comes of it. Uh, they have, I guess, a match. It's not very good. Goes three minutes. Um, during the entrance. Uh-huh. Entrance uh, was longer than his, the match. <laughs> yeah, what's his face? The drunk guy, uh, Bobby Heenan. Uh, wouldn't shut up about Elizabeth. And then goes, looks at, look at the yams on her. Yeah. I mean, he's seen so many <laughs> yams tonight between, uh, 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 what's what's her name? Miss um, Lam Yao in, in the varsity. Oh, the and, cheerleader. Yeah. yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah, Miss Elizabeth is like the most tame. She has the most tame yams on the show. <laughs> True. True. Look at the yams. Where does the, where does, I'm, I'm where gonna does start that calling them yams from, from now where, on. I don't know, but I'm. Where does the term I'm yams even yams. come from? Don't care. I'm using it. Where Co-opted. Does yams <laughs> for boobs? As boobs come from. <laughs> oh well, it's like um, Kaz always said, talks about nuts, and he calls it yam bag. Yeah, he calls it the yam. He calls it the yam bags. Yam bags. Yeah, that's what yams. I would consider yams to be more of like a nut sacks, thing right? Than a boob thing. <laughs> That's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah, now that I'm oh. mentioning it. Yeah. Oh, what'd you find? What'd you find? It's a it was it's a slang term for Italians in modern culture to be referred to a woman's buttocks or hips. Huh. Ham that's I've heard like gams. I've heard gams and hams, but not yams. Hams, not yams. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're lear- we're learning slang, I guess okay. today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's. How else can we objectify women? <laughs> uh. Well, Diamond Dallas Page and Buff Bagwell with the, uh, oh, Kimberly's no. yams out there. <laughs> Uh, well, look, they had a street fight. It was kind of the same as their match from the night before, except Kimberly's there. And oh my god, the finish! What the fuck happened? I, I don't, I don't know. Can you read me some sort of recap? Because I still, I watched it twice, and I still don't understand the. Okay. Finish. Oh yeah, I, I, I rewound it, th- rewound it three times, and I'm like, I don't know what I just saw. Okay, so uh, Buff Bagwell hits the blockbuster <laughs> on Diamond Dallas Page. Okay. Okay. Uh, Paige's superplex attempt is countered with a low blow, and now the blockbuster... Okay, okay, here it is. Blockbuster connects. So, Buff Bagwell is... he ha- He's, like, posing for the camera, sort of, and he's about to turn in the top right direction to a downed Diamond Dallas page, in which then Kimberly takes, like, a step into Buff Bagwell and does, like, the arms-in-the-air pratfall, right? And oh. then collapses oh. to the ground. Very weird. It's it's like she 
took herself out, but it was so light and and just like not connecting. It it it, it looked it was the fakest shit you've ever seen in your life, right? Uh so Buff Bagwell then like looks behind him. He's like, "What the fuck just happened?" DDP gets up, yeah. hits a diamond cutter, and then Kimberly just counts a slow pin, and then she just yeah. bails. Yeah, so we still don't know whose side she's on. So, because it was so fucked up and weird looking, and then the walkout finish, we're like, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> no matter who won last night, and now DDP wins mm-hmm. tonight, like, just like Kevin Nash said said in his... uh promo to the to the crowd yeah. kimberly who you fucking wasn't clear <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well kimberly who you fucking yeah. girl come on <laughs> yeah. yeah all right so it felt like a wrestling show definitely felt like yeah. a wrestling show in the year 2000 yes uh is this the best wcw nitro of the year 2000 so far uh uh crap uh, let me go back. Okay, hang on. Let me look at my. Is it the oh. best nitro that you've seen so far in this little journey? Not the best one so far. Oh. I don't think so. No, 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 no. I really did not like. All right, name all. a nitro better. I dare you. I don't know. I'm looking. <laughs> I'm looking. I mean, the first one I watched, you know, because it was my first one. So, <laughs> um. Yeah, mm. I don't know. Oh, yeah, maybe it was one. the best one. Yeah, I'm looking down at my notes. Yeah. Like, crap, <laughs> crap. Lord Master um, Kevin Nash, commissioner, ha- commissioner, has produced the best Nitro in months. I mean, no Vince Russo. Well, this is true. Okay, I think that does it. Okay, We're done. Ricky? Great. I'll see you Sunday. See you Sunday. <laughs>